It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. <laughs> hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. <laughs> Okay, uh, welcome in on a midweek edition of the PJ Show. We're at homecoming week, of course, and uh, we are making uh, our jaunt towards uh, the uh, homecoming weekend and the festivities. Uh, Of course, the parade that morning will be on the air at uh, 11 a.m. with our Pirate Game Day countdown. I should have had you pull the uh, Biff Pogey audio today. Uh, Pilk, where he talked about sup dogs, and I think he's going to be. I'm assuming he said was going to be going to Aces for Autism, uh, their location when he got to town here. That's what I assume he was discussing. I, I never I meant to text Kyle Robinson, and every time I was going to text Kyle, something came up. But our guy Pip, Biff Pogey is going to do like a food review. Apparently, at sups. That's it. It is. So I think that's pretty cool. I think that's pretty cool. Bill, do you have a, a thought on this, or is it not sportsy enough for you? No, I uh, I like it. Uh, he's totally embraced this whole like fun guy head coach. I was kind of worried he was going to come out there in the cutoff sleeves, and that was like going to be the end of it. But now he's he's fully embraced it. He's he's wanting to go to Sub Dogs. He said he's going to do a hot dog review. I don't know when he's going to have time. I guess they're going to do it Friday night. I was kind of hoping he would do it Thursday night during our Sub Show, but obviously the team won't be in town ah, for that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So. Well, maybe he, you never know. It could happen. Uh, have, are you going to do, uh, I, I, I love your sup show, but I'm not going to promote it because it's head to head with ours, but I hope it, uh, have you done a taste test yet? I've done many taste tests at sup dogs. The unfortunate, the only unfortunate thing is I have to, uh, keep my beverages PG rated because you know, we're working. So, ah, yes. Yeah. Okay. But the right. food, well, I've definitely done a lot of tasting. And I'm really hungry. Like the last few days during the day, I've not eaten hardly anything. And I am good. No, I'm extremely hungry right now. I'm extremely hungry. Uh, We're going to talk to Doug Martin. We'll talk some college football uh, with him. Uh, We'll talk about this uh, matchup with the Pirates and the 49ers. Uh, We've got some Mike Houston audio uh, from uh, his press availability. Uh, We'll also have on our social media. 943thegame.com and uh, also uh, 943thegame on Twitter, at 943thegame on Twitter, I should say, or X, and on Facebook, uh, YouTube, I think we'll also it'll wind up there inevitably on our YouTube page, but we're going to have a uh, uh, comments from tonight for you on uh, our social media from the coordinators and from Mike Houston, who will speak again. That goes down at 6 o'clock. So just be cognizant of that as you uh, get ready. All right. Here is uh, the uh, Pirate Report as we'll hear some comments from Coach Houston. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. All right. Uh, this was Coach Houston's opening statement when talking yesterday uh to the media. Excited to uh, be back at home this weekend. Uh, matchup against Charlotte. 
uh, two o'clock kickoff. Uh, should be great weather for uh, for the game, which is good. You know, we've had a couple of rain games here at home uh, so far this year, so it should be uh, should be great weather for uh, what will be a great matchup. And so, uh, kids are. Uh, you know, they're preparing right now and uh, should have a great practice this afternoon uh, and looking forward to a great week. Also, uh, he talked about Mason Garcia's performance in the SMU game. Mason certainly did some positive things both in the run game and the passing game uh, against SMU uh, a week and a half ago. And, uh, you know, just like I've said, uh, you know, virtually every week, you know, he continues to improve. And so excited about that. And, uh, you know, he's, he's highly motivated to build off that performance and, uh, and be ready to go this Saturday. And uh, when asked uh, if it helped Mason to uh, take a step back, this is what Coach had to say. You know, may, maybe it has. And, uh, and, and Coach Kirkpatrick and I have talked about that. And, um, you know, because I think when, when Mason is relaxed and, uh, and, and, and composed, he's done some really, really good things. I think he gets really excited. Uh, he's very motivated to, uh, you know, to, to be great and to help our team. Uh, and, uh, you know, certainly the other night uh, coming off the bench, uh, you know, he was, he was very effective. And uh, we also heard from uh, Coach Houston here what he was talking about being focused with it being the homecoming week. Well, you know, this one's maybe a, a, a touch easier, in my opinion, uh, than some of them are. Um, you know, homecoming uh, really is, is for the fans, for the alumni, uh, for everybody in the area. Um, it's, you know, a lot of people back on campus. Uh, you know, for us, our job is to try to go out and win the football game. And, and so really, uh, the game to us is no different than any other weekend. Now, we can certainly uh, make it a, a, a great weekend for our alumni by, by getting a victory on the field. Uh, but really, we don't need to be caught up in any of the, any of the stuff going on uh, around uh, anything with the game other than just what happens on the field. And uh, we have a Coach talking about... Um trying to get the play off after the uh, Flynn fumble. He was asked about that uh, in yesterday's press conference. Yeah, they're not going to let us. They will not let you snap that ball. We were trying to get there pretty quick. Uh, we've been huddling the whole night, so the guys, of course, went to the huddle as they always had done during that night, and that was part of our game plan. So, uh, you know, everybody on the headset had urgency. Uh, the kids got up there pretty quick. Uh, but they're not going to let you snap that ball. And if you watch college football uh, across the country, and you've seen it several times with our games, they're going to wait until you get right up there, and you get ready to snap it, and they'll probably even let the ball get snapped, but they're going to buzz it. And uh, Coach was asked about uh, how much stock they put in to what Navy did right last time out last weekend when they shut out Charlotte 14 to zip. A lot, and... Uh, you know, put stock into who's who's on the field too. You know, uh, that game was 0-0 for much of the game. Um, now, you know, Charlotte did miss a lot of wide open receivers down the field where, you know, if they connect those, it's a different ball game. Um, you know, they went with a different quarterback Saturday too. And uh, 
So, you know, there's lots of things you're evaluating uh, because their offense does change depending on which quarterback is in there. But uh, certainly we've looked at that film a good bit. We've looked at the SMU film. We've looked at the Florida film, the Maryland film, the Georgia State film, uh, the South Carolina State film. So we looked at all those and, and really evaluated kind of who they are uh, based on their personnel and their execution. All right, uh, Coach has talked about cleaning up the late-game situations. This was uh, Mike Houston when uh, discussing that. Being comfortable performing at a high level in those pressure situations. And uh, the only way that they're going to get there is by being in those pressure situations. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, the more we're in those situations, the more comfortable some of our guys are going to get, uh, you know, We've played six games now and been in those situations a lot. So, you know, hoping that starting with this weekend, we're going to play much better in those situations. Uh, but it is, it is a big combination of experience and, you know, a group gelling together and, uh, you know, just performing at a higher level. And, uh, you know, that's our goals for this week. And that's what we're, you know, working very hard towards. All right. Uh, I want to get this last cut in Pilk where he talks about uh, his relationship with Biff. Pogey, the uh, Charlotte coach, and we've had a lot of fun with uh, Coach Pogey and some of the things he's uh, said, but this is uh, Coach Houston on Biff and their relationship. So we got we got a chance, Coach and I got a chance this summer to spend some time together and uh, at the conference meetings, and uh, you know really enjoyed my interactions with him. Uh, obviously, he has been you know incredibly successful. Uh, you know, over the span of his life, and you know, before football, uh, in in the in, in the business uh, uh, area, and then just you know, moving over in a kind of a second career, uh, you know, in high school and college football, and um, you know, obviously, you're not you're not as successful as he has been unless you're a pretty sharp guy and and really have a great understanding of how to how to work with people and manage people. So. Um, I, I think he's done a great job putting that roster together. Obviously, he he overhauled the roster significantly. I mean, there's, I don't know, 50, 60 new, new guys on that roster, and, and they come from a lot of different places. Uh, you know, he brought a lot of his guys that had played for him at uh, St. Francis, uh, and, you know, he, he's put together a very talented group. And uh, I know that, uh, you know, they've been close uh, in a lot of games uh, with a very tough schedule. And so he's, uh, you know, he's working hard to get, uh, get things going there. But, uh, you know, I just, uh, I, I think he's great for that program and that university and uh, looking forward to uh, seeing him again this Saturday. And he, he's got so much money he could wear the, he's got uh, the heck with you money so he can wear the uh, sleeveless shirts could be a what the upper 60s pilk yeah for the game it sounds like it's gonna be perfect football weather unless it's just brutally humid because of the rain the night before kind of what you guys dealt with in the pregame show last week other than that i think it should be good if the humidity stays low temperatures will be good mid 60s good weather to be a fan 70 degrees is what uh i'm looking at here for okay. uh saturday so Not that's bad. perfect a uh, few clouds, but uh, I think it'll be comfortable. Yeah, I, I will. So you can go sleeveless in seventy, right? Oh, hundred percent. Especially if you're down 70, the, yeah. especially if you're down on the sideline and running up and down, jumping, right. like the intensity. I don't know how much running up warmer. and down. I don't know how much running up and down Biff is doing. Yeah, but uh, you know what I mean. You're, you're point taken. Yeah, so you're into the game. There. Yeah, yeah, and it is a little warmer in those stadiums. 
you know, than it is maybe in the stands if the wind's blowing or that kind of thing. So, all right, uh, that'll be today's pirate report. We're going to grab a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the East Carolina and Charlotte matchup with former ECU offensive coordinator, former college head coach, and uh, currently the OC for the uh, New Orleans Breakers in the USFL. Our pal Doug Martin down at the coast will go to him and link up with him in uh, Emerald Isle right after this. Timeout on the PJ Show here on 94.3 The Game and 103.7 WTIB. And don't forget, don't forget our uh, pregame coverage starts with Bud, uh, Bud Light Pirate Game Day Countdown with, uh, or excuse me, uh, Bush Light Pirate Game Day Countdown with uh, 1 o'clock or 11 o'clock being our start, 11 to 1. Uh, on 94.3, the game on Saturday. This music took me for a back. I'm a, I may stop calling for music. I'm sorry. What's the, what's the, what's the reason behind this? I don't Why know. I was looking through our beds, and I saw Darth Vader theme, and I'm like, I'm going with it. <laughs> we'll be back. You ready for this? Oh, I'm very ready. Okay, you ready? You ready? Streaming to the world at 943thegame.com. This is the Patrick Johnson Show. Now in all his glory, here's the P-Man. Okay, we've got uh, Coach Doug Martin with us here on the PJ Show on this uh, Wednesday. Uh, let's go to him right now. Coach, how's it going? Doing well, Patrick. How about yourself? Doing great. Thank you for... Uh, Hanging out with us here as you do on Wednesdays now. We've we've fooled him again, folks, into uh, <laughs> into spending some time with us uh, here. But when you're kind of semi-retired, I guess you the days just go from one to the other. You have no concept. Are there any clocks in your house when you're retired? That's what I, I really do, would I like. I have a watch on. I don't wear a watch anymore. <laughs> it's done. It's done. <laughs> Hey, uh, Doug, we got the Pirates and the 49ers. Uh, Much is being made of, uh, is this a rivalry? Um, Right now, these two teams, along with Temple, are all searching for a first conference win. Um, So, you know, I I, I think it could be interesting. The offensive uh, bugaboos have kind of uh, plagued both of these teams. So I'm really kind of anxious to see how this – how this will be played. Cause I, I, I just, maybe I'm wrong, but I just have the feeling Charlotte's going to come out after being shut out by Navy at home, playing East Carolina, really fired up. I, I'm sure they will. You know, like I say, both try and get the first conference win, those things. I watched some of Charlotte's film and I, I don't see them being nearly as talented a football team as East Carolina is either side of the ball. Um, so I, I really hope, think that East Carolina would play well against these guys and match up well and, and hopefully get that win. But, uh, you know, you never know what happened in college football. I can just tell you that. The emotions run high for kids on both sides. And, but I think Charlotte's got a long way to catch up to where East Carolina is. What uh, have you seen on the Niners that you like? You know, I think defensively they're obviously playing much better than they are offensively. They've got a few guys on the defensive front seven, linebackers in particular, look like they run pretty well. But they're really a zone coverage team, Patrick. They don't seem to want to play much man coverage. They don't mm-hmm. really pressure very much, which those are the things that have hurt East Carolina offensively has been pressure and man coverage, it looks like to me. So I don't know that Charlotte is 
you know, depth enough to really go that vein. They, they seem to want to bend and not break type, type of defense. So I think that fits up well uh, for East Carolina. And then uh, offensively, I, I think they're very, um, very, uh, uh, I don't want to say conservative, but it's not a real explosive offense. They're not going to throw right, the ball yeah. really well, I don't think. You know, it's more of a, a pounded offense. And, uh, you know, the head coach is a snappy dresser, though, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> would you, if you could have, would you have weared, worn some sort of loungewear on the uh, – what's the most uh, cash you ever went in a, yeah, uh, in a in a game, I, I guess you really couldn't, could you? It looks like it looks like John Fetterman, that senator out there, the other that's wearing sweats in, in Congress and stuff. So, uh, <laughs> no, no, I don't. I would never do that. You know, I I would love to coach in flip flops one day or something in, the, in a practice. That'd be fun. <laughs> that's about as far as I would go. Yeah, the sleeveless shirt. That's uh, but look, he's got the heck with it money. So I mean, he could kind of <laughs> do what he wants because yep. he's there. You go, he's right? got, there you go. Yeah, yeah, I think we all aspire to having to heck with it money. Uh, so that's <laughs> uh, we know how maybe we you have a dressing option if you ever reach that uh, that tax bracket. Um, yeah, Trexler Ivy uh, really struggled against uh, Navy last week. Uh, Jalen Jones is more of the runner at quarterback, though they have moved him to receiver. There's a little bit of word that the third string quarterback. Will play uh, could play. Are they just not talented in the skill spots and, and questionable in the quarterback spots? Is, are there line problems again? You know, you have the expert eye that's kind of looked at all of this. Yeah, I think it's really all of the above for them offensively. I don't really see. You know, there's not many dynamic playmakers out there, whether it's wide receiver, running back, quarterback, especially offensive line. I think is pretty average. I mean, it's not. They got a lot of work to do to get players. I mean, I I tell you this: I've never seen a donkey win the Kentucky Derby. You know, you, you got to have a thoroughbred. <laughs> you, know, you know, that's you know, teams win because you got good horses out there, and they don't have the horses yet. So I I think they got a ways to go. This leads me to ask you, as a guy who uh, grew up next in the state next to Kentucky, went to school Kentucky. Did you ever make the Derby? You're always oh, yeah. been busy, I guess. Oh, you did? Okay. Uh, actually, right. I've, I've been to three or four derbies, and, and uh, mostly when I was in school at Kentucky, and uh, Vicky okay. and I got up there to watch, watch several of them. And it, Listen, put that on your bucket list. If you've never been, I would advise everybody to go. And it's not like it is, it's an exclusive ticket that's going to cost you hundreds of dollars to get in there. I mean, you can get in pretty cheap and be in the infield or in the grandstands, and uh, you'll have a great day. I mean, it's a fantastic event. You know, Biff's got enough to heck with it. Money he could afford one of the really nice suits that you see some of the guys running around in there. So maybe, maybe, maybe he'd go a combination of the suit, you know, with the jacket, and maybe just the sleeveless T-shirt underneath, kind of a rock star thing. Maybe that would be his. Uh, no his doubt, dirty he could look. buy a couple of those. Buy a couple of those horses. He'd be right down there in the midst of it. Well, that is true. He could do that. Uh, Pirates losing to SMU last time out, uh, Coach, and uh, you know it, it's. When, when things are going not well, you it seems like sometimes you find creative ways or different ways to lose, as the old saying uh, goes. Uh, you know, switch the quarterback going into the fourth, and you unfortunately have back-to-back turnovers that kind of uh, made it fait accompli against SMU. 
Well, I think it's really from a from an offensive coordinator standpoint, which that's really what I've been most most of my career. I, I think it would be really hard to play the two quarterbacks that East Carolina has because, as I've told you before, Patrick, you're looking at two different skill sets with these guys, in my opinion. You really got to run two different offenses to accommodate them for either one of them to be at their best, and that's that's just difficult. So, you know, when you get in those situations, I just pick one and stay with them and ride this out and see how much they can improve throughout the season. Whichever one you think has the best future for you, ride them out and see how much they can improve as the season goes on so that you know – where you've got to go after this season. You know, do we have a guy here now that right. we think can be the guy and he's gotten the experience to be a guy next year so we don't go through this again? Or, you know, do we have to get in the junior colleges? Do we have to get in the transfer portal? Do we have to go find a guy? But you, you got to answer that question before you come out of this season. What did you see out of Mason Garcia that were the positives on Thursday? Well, again, I, I think he's really good with the ball in his hands in the running game. You know, he can run over people. He's strong. Uh, so, you know, they ran a quarterback draw with him. That was a good good call, you know, good series for him. I think as many things as you can do to keep the ball in his hands in the running game is effective. You know, maybe a little bit of option with him wouldn't be a bad deal too, a little speed option, things like that. And then when he's throwing the ball, just move him, you know, just change the launch point, you know, naked sprint outs. Things like that, where he has a run pass. They option. did a little bit of that. They did a little they bit did. of that against SMU. Yeah, they yeah. did, and a lot of three-step game with him. You know, if you're going to stay in the pocket, a lot of stuff where the ball is going to come out fast, and even empty sets and things like that. Because a lot of times when you're in empty sets, you know, quarterback draws are just created just because of the way it develops. Nobody's open, and the quarterback steps through the pocket and takes off and gains a lot of yards. And you know, I made a living with that with Julian Edelman for a long time. You know, nobody's open. He just takes off. And so empty sets were really valuable with him. So, you know, that's what I would see with Mason Garcia. I think he's more in that vein. He's not a drop-back passer, and you're, you're not going to make him one. It just, he doesn't have those skill sets. Coach, when uh, you look at the receivers, there's, there's been a lot of contested balls that uh, – the 50-50 balls that they don't hang on to. Uh, how, how do you, I mean, I, you know, Terrence Copper, the great Terrence Copper said it on uh, one of our pregames. Uh, if he's in that receiving core right now, he's just not catching balls in practice. He's getting work in before practice, after practice, just doing whatever you can where the ball is, is you know, going into your hand with extra reps or into your hands with extra reps. Um, how, how do you you know, I guess confidence does have a little bit to do with it. Physicality's got something to do with it. How do you, how do you improve that situation though in season? Yeah, you know, you you can improve those things some, but really a lot of that is God given, Patrick. I just yeah, it's kind of like a quarterback. You know, either you can see from the pocket with people around you, or you can't. It's hard to teach. You can improve a little bit, but you really can't teach that. Receivers are the same way. Some guys, and Terrence Copper was one of them. They just have naturally strong hands. You know, when they get their hands on the ball, I mean, it just – they're locked in. And they see the ball the whole way. You know, they don't close their eyes when there's going to be contact and the ball's getting there at the same time. And uh, that skill set is is really hard to teach. you got to have a kid with a lot of courage who knows he's going to hit, but he's still just focused to get hit, but he's still just focused on the ball. And, not a, I, you know, like I say, I think you're going to prove it, but you're not going to make – a dynamic player like that. They either have that skill or they don't. All right. Uh, hey, uh, Coach, uh, we're going to ask you to hang tight if you can. I want to talk to you about a couple of the games this week. Get your opinion on this. There's a lot of uh, 
a lot of interesting football games. So I'm, I'm anxious to talk to you. And, and we might even, uh, did, did you watch any of the Colorado Stanford where, where Stanford one win Stanford came back? Did you see any uh, of that? Actually, yeah, I actually did watch most of that game. Yeah. Okay. I'm anxious to get your take on that. So, uh, coach Doug Martin, when we, uh, return, here's Philip, the ref Pilkington with a pirate report, 94, three, the game sports update. Thanks, Patrick. Philip Pilkins here with your 94.3 The Game Pirate Report and Sports Flash Update. The Pirates are off to a tough start this season. Jack Powers talked about how the team is staying positive despite them not getting the results they are looking for on the field. Just showing up to work every day, um, ready to get better, ready to take in the coaching. Um, I think we've really done a good job, honestly, of staying together. You know, you see a lot of teams where they have a rough start like we've had, and it's so easy to fall apart, so easy to point fingers and look at other directions. But uh, we stay together as a team. We're going to keep showing up and keep uh, getting better. The Pirates will be back in action this Saturday at 2 o'clock against Charlotte. The network pregame coverage will start at 1 o'clock, and our Bush Light Pirate Game Day countdown can be heard right here on 94.3 The Game at 11 a.m. The team, con- the name team contest for the new Coastal Plains team that is coming to Greenville has been narrowed down to five teams. The Greenville Ball Hogs, the Greenville Booty, the Greenville Garden Gnomes, the Greenville Scallywags, and the Greenville Peglegs. You can vote on your favorite through Friday, October the 27th. Tonight is game three of the ALCS, and the Rangers take their 2-0 series lead back to Arlington in a game that they will send Max Scherzer to the mound, who has not pitched since September the 12th, to face the Astros' Christian Javier. Elsewhere in baseball, the Gold Glove nominees came out today and left off the list was Nolan Aronado. The Cardinals' third baseman has won 10 straight Gold Gloves in his 10-year career, the most to start a career, which he tied each for that record. The Panthers got thinner on the back end today. It was announced that Jeremy Chen will miss roughly six weeks with a quad injury. The Carolina Hurricanes defeated the San Jose Sharks last night 6-3 thanks to a four-goal third period. They are now 3-1 and one on the season. They will continue their West Coast swing tomorrow night in Seattle. They'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash Update and Pirate Report. We will be back, we will be back with the P-Man and Doug Martin on the other side of this timeout. Download the new IBX Media app now and get the show for your ears and eyes. Doesn't it look great on me? This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. All right, we got uh, Coach Doug Martin with us here on this uh, Wednesday. Update all downhill from here. I, Of course, Sun Alder calls me when he's on his way back from whatever he was doing, so that kept me up later than I wanted to be Friday night. I was actually home Friday night for once. And um, <laughs> so I'm watching this uh, game, and I get sucked in because it's my guy, Coach Prime, and it's, it's one win Stanford. I want to see how awful Stanford really is. And it's 14 to nothing like that. And I'm, I can't stay up and watch this. There's just no way. I'm not going to stay up and watch this. And I, I, the next day, at some point, I'm scrolling through looking at scores or just seeing what they did, and I, I, I double overtime, they lost. Actually, I saw somebody post something about, you know, where the old black and white where the train goes off of the bridge and goes into the cavern. That, that was the Colorado team. So you watched it. By the way, you're going to watch, uh, you're going to stay up tonight for New Mexico uh, State at UTEP. Is that on the, is that on the Doug Martin docket? 
tonight. Uh, I think it's on ESPN two actually. That's on tonight. That's tonight. It is. It is. Oh no, I don't see my. I don't see making that one. <laughs> <laughs> but you watch, Coach. You watch, Coach Price. So what happened? You know, Patrick, it was one of those deals. First of all, you know, Colorado cannot play defense. I mean, they have no defense whatsoever. <laughs> and, and they haven't in any game this year. Even the games they've won have been, you know, shootouts where they've just outscored people. So, you know, that when you're in that situation, there's never a safe lead. I don't care if it's 29 nothing, 30 to nothing. It doesn't matter. You're just you're, – you're in jeopardy. And you could see in the second half, you know, Stanford got a couple of plays, got a couple of quick scores – and then all of a sudden, there's a three and out by Colorado. And then it started getting closer and tighter. And the tighter it got, the more pressure those Colorado kids started to feel. And, you know, there you go. There's the recipe, right, for the for the major comeback. But, you know, I give Stanford all the credit in the world for hanging in there. One thing I will say, and I had this experience when I was coaching at Boston College, when I was offense coordinator there, those kids at Boston College, man, because of the academics that you have there, those are really bright, mature kids that they don't panic you know when they get behind or it's a tough game they just there's a maturity level about those guys it was different i'm sure stanford probably has the same thing with them uh because the type of young man they've got to bring in that program and you know you you didn't see any panic from them and they managed to hang in there and win the game all right games this weekend uh the the headliner at noon is number seven penn state number three ohio state from the big house uh, I've heard. I've talked to different people this week. Some think Ohio State's going to win comfortably at home. Others think this will be uh, kind of a hump that Penn State gets uh, over. And uh, how do you see it between those two? It ought to be a should be a good game, right? Should be a great game. Yeah, I think I, yeah, I think that'll be an outstanding game. I think it'll be a great game. Um, you know, James Franklin's done a great job at Penn State. They've always been very relevant, but they haven't. They've never gotten the huge win yet you know, to put them yeah. at the top of the conference. And so, that, you know, I know that's eating at them. This would be a great opportunity for them. I think probably of all the teams he's had, this will be his best shot. Uh, so I, I would tune into that one. I think that would be a great game. The 330 window features uh, Tennessee and Alabama in another top 20 matchup. Um, is Alabama just kind of lurking out there, do you think, Coach? I mean, they, they're getting better. They're winning. They're winning. Yeah, they're, they're winning and they're getting better. You know, and kind of what we talked about before, you know, they've made a commitment to Milrow, the quarterback, who's a different quarterback than what they've had in the past. He's not a great thrower, and they know it, so they don't ask him to be. You know, he's using his legs to run the ball. They're using a different lot of launch points to move him around, and they're scoring enough points to give their defense a chance to win the game for them. Um, you know, the, they don't play conservative football, though. I mean, on offense, they're, they're taking shots and, and, uh, and being aggressive, which I like. And that's, they're getting a little bit better. I don't know if they have a team to make a run to the playoffs this year, but they're definitely getting better. Yeah. Um, let me ask you about North Carolina. Well, before we do that, 6 o'clock, this will be a game on plus two, and it doesn't look great on paper. Texas San Antonio, who's battled the injuries this year, Florida Atlantic at home, but all of a sudden Tom Herman seems to have found a little something with this group and they're playing better. At the beginning of the year, they they look totally off, like they'd never seen a football before. But they really hammered USF, and it just seems like they're playing better under Tom Herman every week. 
Well, any school in Florida, you've got a really fertile recruiting base. You know, Florida Atlantic is one of those. So they're going to have players. They're going to have access to really good players. So you expect them to get better as the year goes on. Uh, Texas San Antonio is a that's a really a good job. That's really a good football program. And, uh, I don't know much about the injuries they've had and things like that, but I'll tell you what, if they get healthy, they're a dangerous football team because they really have players. Uh, Coach, as far as uh, North Carolina goes, here they are now. Uh, Miami, they send the, the U to its second straight loss. Uh, they're in the top 10, 6-0 for the first time since when Mac Brown was there the first time. Shouldn't have any problem with Virginia this weekend. It'll be on that coveted CW uh, uh, network slot uh, at 6.30. But, you know, Drake May's fantastic. Uh, Walker had a huge game against the Hurricanes. To me, the thing with, um, with, with the Tar Heels right now is they're playing defense. A little yep. bit of defense, and and that's made yep. all the difference, and that's why they're undefeated. That, that's, that's exactly right. They're, they're playing much better. I wouldn't say that they're an elite defense like a Georgia or somebody like that, but they're much better than what they've been in the past. And Gene Chizik is a really good football coach, really good defensive coach, and you would expect them to improve. And they've gotten better players. You can tell they've got a better skill set out there defensively. They've got more speed. I um, think they're playing a lot more aggressively on defense than they have in the past which that plays to their offense, you know, and that's kind of team football. You know, when you've got a really good offense and you can score points, then you should play very aggressively on defense. And you know, go after people and, mm -hmm. and uh, play, play on the aggressive side because, you know, if you give up a big play and you give up a score, your offense can get you back into the football game. But that's a great way for you to be effective defensively, and I think that's what I see North Carolina doing more and more of, uh, which I think is smart. I want to ask you, too, about uh, 16th-ranked Duke at Florida State. Uh, Knowles are number four. Uh, went to the game last Saturday. Uh, my, my parents asked me to go, so I went with them uh, state at uh, Duke. And I saw this when Duke played Clemson, and I really saw this uh, in, in person. Now, NC State's offensively challenged. My gosh, they're dreadful on offense. But um, Duke is gets to the ball on defense. They're really fast. Uh, you know, I don't know what it, it's going to be tough on the road, undoubtedly. But I think athlete-wise on defense, they're not going to get totally outclassed, if not outclassed at all at Florida State. Because I've seen that Florida State offense in person, and it's it struggles to run the football. Um, so I, I'm really interested to see how the Duke defense matches up with the Florida State offense. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I, I think this would have been a great game if Riley Leonard was healthy. I mean, right. really, that he, he makes the difference. Duke is a dynamic offense when he's on the field and he's healthy. And he's a tremendous player. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And you're right. They are playing fast on defense, and they're playing really good defensive football. I just don't think they can score enough points the way they are now to beat Florida State. But, man, my hat's off to them what they did going and beating North Carolina State with their backup quarterback. And, you know, then to me, that was great coaching. They, they put a plan in place for that quarterback to use his skill set, Mount Riley Leonard's, and right. won the football. Um, Washington is playing Arizona State um, on FS1 on uh, Saturday night. Um, how, how good is Washington, in your opinion, Coach? Dangerously good. Might be the best team in the country right now. I, I've watched them a lot. 
I'm a big fan of Penix, the quarterback. I've watched him ever since he was back in Indiana. I told our staff at the time that guy's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And, you know, now he's at Washington. He's got even a lot better talent around him. Um, but they've got great defense. They've got great skilled players. There's probably five, six guys on their offense, running backs, receivers that are big play guys. Uh, they're, they're really they, – they're as good as anybody. Now, I, them and Georgia would be a great matchup right now. I'd love to see them play somebody like that. Uh, if they can get through the Pac-12 and, and unscathed, uh, that might be a great year for them. Wow. Uh, and it was a heck of a game. I mean, Oregon, too, is fantastic. I mean, that was just yeah. – what a game that was. That was just yeah. – that was unbelievable. Uh, you brought up Georgia. I want to ask you just a little bit about um, – you know, there was this deal where they were, oh, they're kind of sleepwalking through things. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden they've kind of flipped the switch. Now they're not they're not playing this week, but, I mean, they're they're really good. I mean, they, they've <laughs> – it's going to be they're tough to beat Georgia. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're it's going to be really tough to beat them. One, one of the best defensive teams in the country. They play great defense. they got great defense coaches. But, you know, the, they are a model of how to go from, you know, they had Stetson Bennett for years as the quarterback. Now all of a sudden they have a different quarterback. And they started off slow offensively, but they were doing things to help him. And now all of a sudden he's growing. You can see in him maturing and he's becoming an elite quarterback. So that's why they've gotten better and better as the year goes along. I mean, what, they won 24, 25 straight games or something ridiculous like that. And yeah. That quarterback is really getting good now. And, man, I'll tell you, if they can get to where they score points consistently with that defense, yeah, they're going to be tough for anybody. Is there any team that uh, we haven't talked about here, you know, this week or recently or, or one that's kind of caught your eye, be it that's vying for a playoff spot or maybe that's exceeded expectations or, or just has a player that you think is outstanding? We just haven't talked about it any. You know, I, I'll tell you one off the grid that's a group of five is Air Force, who's undefeated right now. And I tell you what, play, they play great defense. You know, obviously they've got tough young men there. And, um, man, they're playing some really good football right now. So that's one group of five that I would definitely watch and, and see how they end up. Um, you know, other than that, I think Florida State is a team that's kind of, you know, people are talking about a little bit, but they weren't as much in the, in the beginning of the season. But they continue to improve, and they're playing phenomenal defense too. And uh, it'll be Navy hosting Air Force. That's a, another one of those noon games. I think it's on CBS this weekend. And uh, good pickup there with uh, with Air Force. Hey, uh, Coach, great to talk to you. What fish are biting? What's what's biting right now this time of year? The weather's gotten a little cooler. So what are, what's yeah, biting? Beautiful down here today. Beautiful down here. So a little trout fishing today and to, and tomorrow, okay. and see what we can get done on that. All right, and a little football, but not uh, not the game tonight. There'll be some other games uh, he'll watch. Right yeah, they got they got me right. something better than watching people climb over the border. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> Doug Martin. He's 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 been hilarious today. All right, Coach Doug Martin. Great to talk to you, Coach. Take care, man. All right, buddy. Take care. All right, there he goes. The great Doug Martin with us here. Ah, uh, coach was funny today. That was that was good stuff. He's a great guy. Who says you All can't right, have a little the, humor on a sports show? Look, when he called Biff dressing like Fetterman, that was that was, was all timer, right? There. That was great. That was some all time classic stuff, right there. 
All right. Uh, awesome to have Doug Martin with us. Let's break. We'll come back and uh, we'll wrap up the show. Uh, Pilk, did you know last night that the most attended sporting event yesterday evening was in that Philadelphia area? Do you know what it was? Um, well, if it probably wasn't. I'll tell possible. you. Okay. I'll tell you. All right. Next. All right. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. In West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground is where I spent most of my days. Chilling out, maxing, relaxing. All right, uh, not West Philly, but South Philly last night, Pilk, had 120,000 sports fans in that area. Have you ever been to Philadelphia, Pilk, by the way? No, I've not. So all of their, the arena and Lincoln Financial and the ballpark where the Phillies play, it's all right there around the airport it's all in that kind of one area right there right yeah it's all that one exit off the interstate right one train station terrible to get in and out of yeah yeah but um it was the home opener for the flyers last night and so you know that drew uh something like uh 20,000 19,600 i think is the official number fans right that's a lot of people right yeah for sure uh Game one for the uh, Phillies series. So this is a couple days ago, I guess. Um, was forty five thousand? No, this was yeah, it was a couple days ago. Forty five thousand nine hundred thirty six, which would be about right for you know a, a championship level team playing in the NLCS or ALCS, right? Yeah, that, that makes sense. They sold more than fifty five thousand tickets, however, for a friendly on Monday at the link when Mexico and Germany play. In fact, there's even some estimates that it was over 57,000. So for a friendly, you didn't know I knew that term, did you, Pilk? No, I did not. For a friendly, they drew over 55, at least 55,000, maybe 57,000 people. That's unreal, isn't it? Yeah, for two countries that are nowhere near Philadelphia. I mean, right. <laughs> I guess there's a, there's a big Mexican population there, I guess, but I figured, you know, if it was well, in Texas or Florida, any, it made more sense. Anytime you have the Mexican uh, national team playing, it draws very, very well. It does. They, they, it draws. They've packed Bank of America before. They do. You know, the most watched soccer league in the United States is actually the Mexican league, not the Premier League, even yeah. though we think it's the Premier League. Premier League gets all of the... Uh, the pub, but you're right, Pilk. It is uh, the Mexican league that, uh, viewer wise, does the big numbers and has a lot of television interest in these United States. So uh, that's, uh, that, you know, I, somebody told me about that this morning and I was reading a couple of articles about it. That's just, that's wild. What a night to be in Philadelphia. And I always, every time I've been to Philly, I've worked a lot in Philly uh, 
over the years, and I always enjoy going up there. But I, I asked the person who was telling me this today, and I'll ask you, Pilk. So let's just say it's 57000 right, in Lincoln yeah. Financial Field for a friendly. Yeah. Do you think Temple football has drawn 57000 total in all of the years they've played games? <laughs> How Lincoln many years Financial. have they had a team? That's that's the ultimate <laughs> question. Get on the Google machine, Pilk, and see if you can find out when they started playing. And All righty. In there. And I'm not talking what they claim on the – I'm talking legitimate butts in the seats, as they say. It, 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 they might have been more people at the, at the link last night <laughs> that, have, that have seen all the Temple football games combined at Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, <laughs> always anonymous text line. It's a professional kickball. Well, all right. my high school football coach used to call it, call it that. He used to call, yeah. uh, yeah, soccer kickball. And one day yeah. he told us that we had a fun day over the summer. We we're going to play kickball. And we were really confused as to what sport we were going to play. And he goes, no, we're really playing kickball. We're not playing. <laughs> but uh, Temple has played football since 1894. So right. I'm going to go on a limb and say they've probably no no I'm not I'm not talking all I'm talking the games that Temple has played in Lincoln Financial. Oh, let's see. Uh, when did they move to Lincoln Financial? Yeah, okay. that's what I wanted you to find. Is how long ago? Because I I think if you're actually talking bodies in the seats, it'd be pretty damn close that the uh, the friendly outdrew the Temple Owls. The if Temple they, if Owls played in the, started playing there yeah. in 2003. So 20 years, 20 years. What do you think, Pill? 20 years, 57,000 divided by 20 years, that would be 2,850 fans a season. So William is doing the research. In 2015, okay. they hosted Notre Dame and had 70,000 for that one game. Well, so William has proved this all wrong. Count. Thanks, William. Gosh. Right, that shouldn't, that shouldn't count, should it? No. That's an automatic sellout. It was it was uh, too many Notre. They're all Notre Dame fans. The question, your question, what it should be, Patrick, is: Have they had more Temple fans at the game <laughs> than all time combined? Than it was that friendly. And then the answer would probably be no. That <laughs> would be no. Yeah, but that's crazy. I, I heard that number this morning, and I just thought, man, that is that is wild. Now I thought it was last night, but it was Monday night. But still, it's it's impressive as heck. Yeah, school night. That's a lot of people uh, in one little area. Yeah, it is. It is. And I bet with everything kind of going on in the world now, too, you, the uh, Philly PD and uh, law enforcement had to, to work uh, really, really overtime uh, in Philadelphia on Monday night. All right. Uh, tomorrow, we have basketball coverage for you for the Pirates. It'll be ECU Media Day. Uh, so we're, uh, we'll have our guys there. We'll be uh, bringing you the uh, sounds and perhaps on social media, some of the sites of ECU Basketball Media Day. We'll hear from Coach Swartz. Uh, and then coming up uh, tomorrow, Jim Zoki will be with us. We'll talk uh, a little bit of uh, Pirate football against Charlotte with him for homecoming. And uh, the Panthers have a bye week. Whew. Thank goodness it's we'll not sing. December like it's been the last two years. That's all I got to say. Well, give it a, gives you a break from it. Maybe they can hit the reset. I need it. All right, I watch racing. Yeah, that's true. 
Thanks to Doug Martin. Great to have him uh, with us. Thanks to Philip and to intern William. Uh, Dom Kosoki will be producing tomorrow. We got a little something for Dom. And uh, we'll have those great guests in the ECU Basketball Media Day. Thanks for uh, listening. Have a great evening. It's Wednesday, and you know what that means. It's Kids Night at Moore's Barbecue. Let us take care of dinner tonight. For Brendy Brewing is proud to Wednesday night.